Before we get to the show, I want to introduce you to a new serial podcast from the Review Journal. The show is called Critical Condition, Accounts from One October, and it shares the powerful stories of two of the first Las Vegas Metro officers to arrive at the scene of the Route 91 Harvest Festival shooting on October 1st, 2017. Part one is available now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or anywhere else you might be listening to this. Just search for Critical Condition, Accounts from One October, to listen to the first episode and to subscribe to the series. Now, on to the show. Hey, Johnny, do you want to go to an ice cream social? Yeah, I'd love to. Great, let's go. I'm on the prowl indeed. Welcome to Podcats. This is Cats, John Katzalamitis of the Las Vegas Review Journal. My column is called Cats, fittingly enough. Find it on page 3A every day and online all the time. This week we have a very special treat for you. We're doing a crossover episode with Vegas podcasting juggernaut Matt and Mattingly's Ice Cream Social. We thought it would be fun to do an episode together that goes out on both of our podcast feeds. So the format is going to be a little bit different from what you're used to. That being said, I think you'll really enjoy it. So allow me to introduce Paul Mattingly, Matt Donnelly, and their audio guy, Jacob Smith. It's time for a special episode of Matt and Mattingly's Ice Cream Social. Sitting across from me is Paul Mattingly. Across from me is Mr. Matt Donnelly. On the knobs and tiles, Jacob the audio guy. It's a very special episode. Very special. We're breaching fun. This is the car accident episode. That's it. Well, I'm across. You guys are next to each other. Yes. Um, that's true. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's, I, it's, I just it's, it's, no taken, John. No, no taken. <laughs> Across from us is Johnny Katz. Mm-hmm. Johnny Katz, local up, Vegas celebrity news king. Just the the man with the finger on the pulse of Las Vegas. Yeah, he knows it all. I he think, knows it before I think it describe happens. It any other way is inaccurate. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, repeat that. Even people who say tall, I say shove it up your. <laughs> man with a finger on the pulse in Las Vegas. So uh, Johnny actually asked to interview us. Yes. And then he said, wouldn't it be fun to do on uh, both feeds? I said, yes, because Johnny Katz uh, uh, does this weird thing called editing, which is what, something that what we Johnny don't does understand. is he works. Yeah, he uh, works well, on the I, show. I, I got to say, of, I don't do the editing. He thinks about his episode after he's done it, which is something we're not used to at all. <laughs> right. Is that right? Yeah. We just recorded a show 20 minutes ago. I could not tell you a single thing we talked about. You guys are so good at it, though. You don't need to edit. I'm like, I got to go back in, and it's like, uh, you know, taking a very raw yeah. live recording and making it into something, you know? Um, so if you haven't listened to podcasts, which is what I don't understand when we brought you in here last time. Yes. That you you were doing the kind of like a relaunch of sorts a yeah, little bit. We were, um, I was in here in May and I was doing podcasts then. It was about yeah. 25 or 30 episodes then, I think. And I was on, I'm, that day I was on my way over to talk to Piff, yeah. the Magic Dragon. Okay, right. And uh, we had, uh, we were moving things around. I forget what was going on. We had to change the logo of podcasts. Yeah. Uh, because the original logo of podcasts too strongly resembled Napster. Okay. Oh, hilarious. Yeah. Who thought, did huh. you have like a, a copyright attorney or something? Yeah. 
Oh, funny. Yeah, and I didn't know Napster was still uh, around enough to enforce a licensing infringement. Of all the the companies. The one guy who knew. Of all the companies (laughs) to come after someone (laughs) for intellectual property. (laughs) I was (laughs) saying, let's leave it up there and let them come after us, because then we'll get a story out of it. uh, Maybe a series. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Napster's like, hey, intellectual property, oh, buddy. Yeah, mm. Crimea River. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Crimea the River, as Bruce Springsteen would say. Yeah, but you have uh, of which you was ripped off on eighty thousand illegal <laughs> yeah. downloads. Right. Yeah. I uh, and then uh, you because you relaunched with a new theme song. Yeah, we had. Um, uh, but when we first talked on my uh, radio show, it was over at uh, KUNV UNLV, yes. and we had a whole. Right. It was a whole different. You know, we were in a proper yeah. uh, studio and a lot of. Ca- Podcasts is done on the road and in, in, in environments. Um, we had uh, Wayne Newton's version of Viva Las Vegas was the intro music. I had my my uh, partner, uh, Trish McCrone. That's where Cats with the Dish came from. That's what we Meow. called the show. Meow. And then it was just John, uh, just Cats on the Radio. And then they decided at KUNV to uh, eliminate um, all the talk. All the talk shows, and I was one of those. Did you consider so I, that a personal attack on you and your voice? Um, yeah, whether it's, <laughs> whether it's true or not, you know what would happen there. You know what's funny about that is is I spent I eleven years to another minute of Johnny Cats. <laughs> we are going with no talk. That's it. It's not. It's not because we have any other programming planned. We just need to get that guy off our air. I, I, have, a, I have a potentially sensitive unless question, he, which unless, is: Was there other talk on the radio? <laughs> unless, unless there's a, some. That's not some wants to sing smooth. Jazz. <laughs> so, yeah, um, your, yeah there was your, other. There are. Well, here's how it happened. There was other talk oh, on, good, the, good. on the on the. Sh- on the sh- and they offered me to do a podcast on KUNV. By the way, they, they offered me that. Yeah, and I did. You know, I felt if I'm going to do podcasting like we're going to do it, I'm going to do it with my company because we're we're developing yeah. our own facilities at the, at the RJ. So I said, you know, and I, I wasn't upset about anything. Although I thought it was weird how I found out about it, which was. Um, in your w- column? No. <laughs> <laughs> How does this guy know what's going on in my life? Wait a minute. That's me. You um, find out like everyone else does through your column. So I filed a lawsuit against, a libel lawsuit against myself, which is still pending. I hope I win and I lose. Turns but out I, my lawyer looks too much like Napster. So I have to, <laughs> yeah, he's to, to change lawyers. He's got cat ears and headphones. <laughs> it's <laughs> rampant. So we, so I find out about this at, at the, while well, I'm waiting to go to uh, George Wallace's meeting a night over at Westgate Cabaret. Yeah, they had a pre-party okay. over there at, uh, um, I forget which, it was one of the restaurants. Um, and uh, Ira David Sternberg comes up to me, and he had a show on, I think he still has a show on KUNV. He's doing his podcast there still, and he's been doing a radio show and a simulcast and some form of media for a very long time. Yeah. He comes up and he says, hey, can, can I talk to you? And I say, well, what's going on, Ira? And uh, he says, well, I think that um, I heard today that uh, KNV is going is getting rid of all their talk. And I go, oh, gee, well, it's too bad because I happen to do talk. And, um, <laughs> and he goes, yeah, they're going to, I think they're going to, you know, have new uh, a new operator, a new uh, manager, station manager, a new consultant. That's what it was. A okay. Consultant. So he, did, he, did he understand and, that he was breaking it to you? Uh, yeah. That's he why he understand. took me away. He took okay. me away from the scene. Oh, okay. yeah. we were, it, well, it was like strange. one of those past plate things. I was yeah. having a, you know, I was noshing on a crab cake. And um, that's how I found out about it. So, and then the next day, I went in to record, and I was recording with uh, the uh, cast of Tony and Tina's wedding. Oddly enough, hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and uh, as you said, at the end of it, we all got drunk and fell over. And, um, <laughs> and uh, they told me after that episode, and, and the, you know, Dave Norris, the guy, came in and a very good guy. I really enjoyed working with him. And I said, yeah, I'd heard, and uh, and um, that was it. 
That was my last day there. Mm, wow. After 11 years, I'd been doing it. Woof. So that led me Whoa. into this. That was appropriate. I mean, you're going out on top. Tony and Tina's wedding cast, you, you peaked <laughs> yeah, yeah. as a... What else, what else could you do after that? Tony Who's going to follow that? Tony and you... Tina's followed me out the door. They stopped their talk, too. Over at Buca de Beppo. So yeah. that's how the whole thing happened, and, uh, and we wanted to... We, do other people besides us think that you sing your theme song? I want to say I want to say that Copperfield asked me if I did. Somebody asked me about this. The too. first time yeah. I listened to your epi- to mm-hmm. an episode, I thought that it was you singing it until you said at the end of it that it was Frankie Barino. Yeah, I got to tell Frankie that because he sings it when I'm at his show. They do the song. Oh, amazing! Yeah, oh, nice. it's, it's really tune. great. Oh, it's it's a great tune. Well, here's how it biggest happened. Biggest Cat in Town. Yeah, the Biggest Cat in Town was a song that was in circulation for an album that he was working on called uh, "Broke Down in Paradise," which is a lot of uh, kind of old uh, rock and roll, yeah, yeah, rock type song. And I, we were talking about it, and I wanted to have Frankie on early because uh, he had, he was going back to Carnegie Hall at the time. I think he just got back from Carnegie Hall. Anyway, we were talking about the whole thing, and uh, and I said, you know, we need a new theme song because I don't think we're going to be able to use the Wayne song on po- on podcast. So I named the show by then, and we had the illegal uh, logo ready to go. <laughs> and, uh, everything about the show was copped at that point. And uh, he says, and he says, what are you looking for? And I said, I want CC Rider or Viva Las Vegas. But not that song. I said that I want that kind of energy. That element, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. like the walk in or walk out music for Elvis or you know, that kind of really identifiable identifiable Vegas thing is yeah. hmm. he says, Let me give me an overnight on this. And the next day he had a thirty second version of that song and he sent it to me. And he says, You can have it and if he goes, All you do is give me credit and, and allow me to play it when oh. you're in the room. So every time <laughs> I've been in the room I've got all these videos. No. Deal That's breaker. Unacceptable. <laughs> Deal breaker. You gotta cover CC Rider when I'm in the room. <laughs> anyway, that's how it happened. You know, that's and it's it's been it's been it's a lot great, of fun having it. Yeah, great too. So yeah. you know, I, I that has been probably the most popular uh, constant component of the show. Um, you know, so far, and uh, but we had always wanted to have me uh, interview you guys or talk to you guys and be on with you because in the podcast yeah. universe, you guys are uh, are a big deal. You're a big well, deal anyway. Podcasts, I mean, we know you. You've I, interviewed I, Copperfield. You just did a two parter with Amazing Jonathan. Amazing Jonathan. Yeah, you yeah. got you guys. Have you worked with AJ? Yes, we have a long time ago. How I've was gotten that? To meet him a few times in in just sort of private life mm. hangout and and just hang a little bit. Did you ever do anything with him on stage? Nothing professional, no. You, we did the tarot show. Oh, I'm sorry. I take it back. Oh, yes. <laughs> Except for that. <laughs> Except for that. Well, that's a jarring memory that has been pushed, oh, pushed, pushed down. Uh, do, do we dare recount that? Yeah, let's hear let's, it. Let's, let, I mean, tell, tell him. Tell him there might the, be a part three with AJ because it continues to Shall I tell him the short version? Hilarious. Shall I go with the short version? Years. All right. So, so tell it. We, we had celebrities coming to do Matt's Celebrity Tarot Lounge interview. It's like 2009. Was this at the... Palm? We did a couple of spots. Or, I mean, uh, P- Palace Station. We did. No. We did. No, we did no, ones was, at uh, the Palms. Pa- Palms, and then before that, Palms. it was at the Baobab Theater, but not Baobab. It was the uh, Murder Mystery Theater. Oh, before Baobab. Sheer Madness. Yeah. Sheer Madness. That's it. The Sheer Madness. Theater. I remember before well, about ten years ago. Sheer, yes, I remember. that's right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he comes in, and it was raining that night. He drove his cycle in, and he got caught in a, a downpour. And so he's he's looking like literally what the cat dragged in. Okay. He's he's a little disheveled, a little shaky, yeah, kind of like what? he does and he doesn't know what to expect and that's on his uh whole thing of kind of just hit me with whatever yeah, I'm going to show up. Exactly. Yeah, you know, know, Matt's ready to prep him, but he doesn't want to prep. Yeah, I fail at interview prepping him. That's key. So I the try inter- to talk to him then he's take? just not yeah. well this we're is just, the thing the interview I wouldn't have even considered that actually <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's such a lost cause of my hands the interviews <laughs> I can't even prep myself <laughs> 
the interviews are loosely based on a tarot reading, giant quotes, you know, <laughs> to get the inspiration going, right? All right. That's you read the a little of the show. You read a little excerpt from a tarot book. Something in that paragraph hopefully inspires a tale from their past or future lives, whatever. Okay. And the ball is rolling. Jonathan did not take to that very well as much Which, as the, others. The, the whole concept of tarot not, reading not, in, in the beginning? The no, beginning? I mean, yeah. we, 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 we prefaced that that's just a bullshit thing. He's fine with that. But it didn't, nothing, nothing really rang a bell. Okay. He wasn't really in the mood to tell stories. He had a few two word answers for Matt here and there. Yeah. Nothing much, uh-huh. literally pulling teeth. And so finally, Matt had just before this interview goes down. Yeah, Emily Gillette was producing the show. Emily tips him off to a tale in Jonathan's past where he pulled a prank on a roommate that nearly got the roommate killed. Okay, that does not surprise me one bit. And so Matt decides, okay, I'm not getting anything. He's not telling stories. Emily told me that he pulled this crazy prank on his roommate. Let's hear a crazy And this is in your ear during the interview. Not in my ear, just during... right before I went on oh, stage. Okay, but in, in re- kind of like... Yeah, it was, it was a card I was keeping. Okay. Like, if I can't get anything out of this guy, okay, I'll bring tell, up this tell, prank. So Matt, roommate story. So yeah. Matt pulls roommate the question. pin. <laughs> What's the story about your uh, roommate? And, uh, and Jonathan's face turns into a pale death mask. And he looks at me, I think, for what feels like the first time. Like, he just looks at me dead in the eyes. He's like, oh, you're going to bring up that story? And I was like, "Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I suppose." And you I don't have. know. You don't know the story. You just I know the question. One of the first rules of journalism, or whatever. I have no clue. <laughs> oh, I've, just, I've boy. broken the stem off of off of a bottle rocket, mm-hmm. lit it, and threw it in the air. Well, yep. with those the, the history of the of the pen and and uh, amazing Jonathan oh, going back and forth. This pranks. could have been a. This maybe was a setup. Yeah, mm-hmm. I said I do, We don't get a funny story at all. We get a story where he, like, in a previous fight, he'd punched a hole in the wall between him and his roommate, and his roommate had done something where he called the cops on him or something like that, and he was pissed at his roommate, so he went into his room and faked his own death and let his roommate look through the hole in the wall <laughs> to find his dead body sitting in so his he's, room. So he's just laying yeah. here lifeless. Yes. Mm-hmm. This came up, his, his whole infascination with faking his own death in our <laughs> interview. It's almost like I didn't even have to ask about it. I, I, I believe so you do know I like to try and fake our, my own death. I would say the concept <laughs> of the show was that we would do improv based on these fun stories we heard from celebrities. Right. The oh, room man. was dead. You couldn't do improv. No, we could so it not can't do be done. improv after that. You can't. You, it was the it, worst room. One of the hardest shows we've ever done. Oh, I get uncomfortable just thinking about iced. that. Yeah. I think that iced. story is recounted a little bit in the YouTube uh, Amazing Jonathan documentary, the one that's oh, yes. on YouTube now. Yeah, uh, that or there are just multiple versions of a very similar story that <laughs> yeah. happened throughout his life. Oh, it could be part of urban, it, which, urban which legend or urban both myth. possible. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, with him, you never, you, See, never, you know never know. You just never know. You really don't. No. But um, it was interesting to interview him. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, obviously, but you hadn't. Other than that, you hadn't. Met. No, no, no. Yeah. He, I don't even know if he'd know my name if I saw him now, but probably not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, he's he's uh, he's here and there. But I get along with his wife okay. His wife is on Foolis. Yeah, she's a very interesting woman. She's got that whole cyborg um, yep. chip mm-hmm. implantation yeah, yeah. thing going. That's, yep. She held up her cell phone and put her wrist up to her phone and it called Jonathan. <laughs> called his number from a chip inside her wrist when we were getting ready. She goes, let me get him out here. And then she did this thing with her. Living in the future. Man. <laughs> wow. The biohacks. She's got, she's got a lot. I, I, yeah. Dozens of them in her body. Wow. Yeah. So she can do that. Paul lifts his wrist, but it's often to attempt to shoot web, right? You want to try to shoot web? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm trying to. I mean, Hadn't I've, worked yet. I've got, well, not the ones you know about. <laughs> 
Shoot web. I've got one proto web that's actually pretty. Like effective. we're talking about an actual no Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, I mean that <laughs> we're talking about masturbation. <laughs> yeah, that, oh. that's what I was talking about. Oh. Um, that's a no. I, I, spider series. I don't know if I could go implant. I, that's that's no, a, no, that's no. a step she beyond. She inserts them herself. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, I don't, I, little, that that would slip. stop me there. Yeah, yeah I don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't have best. that much confidence in my surgical hands. I chip my dogs. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. You do that yourself? No. no. <laughs> there you go. Sometimes they aren't even my dogs. Yeah, it's just, just, chip, just going around chipping dogs. Chipping neighborhood dogs. When did you guys, I've always wondered when you guys started working together. When did, how did this all start between So this actually happened because of a connection that we had with uh, the Lens Talent Agency. Lens. Mm-hmm. So okay. uh, this was um, yeah. way back. Paul, Paul was here in town for how long? Uh, when did you move here? I moved here in uh, December of 97. Oh, so wow. So he's here in 97. Okay. I got here in 2008. For Star Trek: The Experience. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. Hilton. All right, that was yeah. a cool. So, what yeah. did you? What did you? I was a, I was a Klingon there. You're Klingon. Yeah. Okay. So I I was a Klingon for almost a, the full run of the place. Wow. I had All done right. it at Kings Island before, okay. so I had Klingon experience. Uh-huh. So that's what got uh-huh. me the, the, the literal leg up. Uh-huh. And I thought, but oh, you're not really a Klingon. We should do. Chobe. Chobe Terachnan. Okay. That's beautiful. <laughs> It's a beautiful language. It's a beautiful uh, it language. is. It it's is a gorgeous language. Very flummy. Beautiful, yeah. <laughs> now, the, the, the gentleman who composed it, Mark Okrand, was a, uh, a student, a, a scholar of Hebraic language. So that's how it kind of. Yeah, this will make the cut of the podcast. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, we got it. I was just thinking we should be videoing, videoing this. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so you're a Klingon. Anyway, so I'm a Klingon. So I'm doing stuff. I, I moved to LA very briefly. Like four months, ran away from Vegas to go take improv classes because I was missing improv so bad. Came back to Vegas, and no sooner had I returned than Second City was opening. Like the week after I got okay, back that's to Vegas. where I saw you first. Was in that? Yes. Yeah, so the when Flamingo. so mm-hmm. when Second City opened their training center here, I was like, finally, I can take improv classes in my town of choice instead of having to go to LA. I was flying out to LA on the weekends to take classes with UCB for a while. Wow. And you could do a $60 round trip to Burbank and back. I've always been interested in what happens in an improv class exactly. I mean, can you really teach improv? I mean, that's a, it no, seems it's so, a scam. It, it's, it seems <laughs> like trying to trying to coach speed or uh, jumping ability. I think it's, it is. I, I expect a, it's inherent watching, but like, I've I've seen. It's great no different improv, than saying, "Can you go to Can you go to a painting class or can you go to take tennis lessons?" I mean, you know, you don't know what's going to happen in a tennis match, but you are given skills to mm-hmm. attack any situation that happens. You know, yeah, that's the same all exact right. thing as an improv class. The way I've always and right down to the white sneakers and all white shorts. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and the cute skirt. The way I've explained and it to yelling people at the linesman. who are taking classes with me, um, I've always said that you, if you if you get serious about improv, if you get serious about improvisation, you will come to a point where either a switch will flip. I felt like I, I, I was I was lucky enough to just kind of you, you see the matrix, right? Mm-hmm. Either the the switch flips and you go, oh, this is what you do, and it's not in in it's just you you just kind of get it, right? Right. Or you will keep going through classes and you will learn how to ape a competent improviser. You will be doing the things that lead to solid scenes, but you don't see why. Yeah, you don't see the... Okay. Like... When you're like you know it's it's kind of that Michael Jordan throwing the basketball the hoop is 18 feet wide you're kind of can, in a zone you get in yeah. a zone and and uh-huh. like if you're in a long form show you you see eight scenes ahead you see eight scenes in the past 
and and your partners do too. It's really funky yeah. when that mm-hmm. works out. Yeah, and, I, and the athletic uh, comparison is is understandable because it's somebody like the the greats don't think, okay, I'm 15 feet away from the basket. I'm probably going to have to put this much energy into the the shot to make it to get it there. That's just yeah. It's they've learned enough about basketball to understand where to be and how to and and what decisions to make with the ball. Right. You know. Can you quarterback? That's, that's, that's quarterback. Yeah. That's very similar to an improv team. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's a difference between sitting in with strangers who know the same improv craft as you do versus people you've worked with a bunch of times. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's very similar to being on a sports team. So it was Tina Hauser at Lens who had worked okay. with me for a couple years. Matt comes into town, brand new, 2008. Ends up at Lens. I said, I need a new comedy partner. I'm going to wait for both Star Trek: The Experience and Sex City to close. <laughs> <laughs> so that's exactly what oh, it happened. I need oh. a Klingon who can perform improv. Yeah, that's it. Las that's Vegas opportunity knocks. I'll swoop in at his most desperate hour, <laughs> <laughs> and I will get him to commit to me for life. So we're working. There's nothing funnier than a desperate Klingon. <laughs> oh, There's really not much. There's really not much funnier. I'm not kidding. I moved here in 2008, and the entire improv community as well as anyone who's in Star Trek The Experience, was in a place of mourning. <laughs> I'm not joking. I, I went over to the, uh, what was the Hole in the Wall Theater over in, uh, on Sahara? Um, Onyx? Onyx. Well, yeah, Onyx. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Over Next, at the Onyx we Theater yeah. every oh, yeah. Monday. And uh, everyone just talking about like, oh, man, yeah, Second City. Oh, man. Oh, geez. You know, and then uh, Michael Hardnett and him were in there, and they're just like, you know what, the experience, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they're just like, just this constant set of like sadness. And I was like, hey, guys. We can do other stuff. <laughs> we can do new things. I'm here yeah. now, guys. Uh, yeah. Hi. <laughs> I'm from New York City. The Big Apple. Yep. Uh, but and, yeah. we, uh, yeah, he heard from her. She, he called me or texted me or I don't remember. Tina, put me in touch with you. I called you. You, you called, called me back. Me. Yeah, yeah. And I said, just come on out. It's 2008. Texts weren't the only way to communicate then. Yeah. Uh-huh. I said, come uh-huh, on out. Uh-huh. And we, we did a show together that night. At the end of this set, they let anyone play. And so they do kind of okay. like a jam, and I hopped right. in the jam, and Paul hopped in a scene with me in the jam. Mm-hmm. That was the first time you'd appeared together. First yeah. time we'd appeared together. He, okay. I met him right before the show. He invited me in, and then I waited to the end of the, the show. I hopped into a scene. We did a scene together, and when the scene was over, people came up to us after the show and said, "How long have you guys been working together?" Oh, okay. That's a, that's your answer there. Mm-hmm. It's and, it's almost like when you hear uh, um, like Crosby, Stills, and Nash talk about the first time they ever sang together. They said, "Okay." You know, we know I'm we're going to be singing together for uh, quite a while. It's know? yeah, you know? I'm not, we did feel it immediately. It was weird. It was strange. Mm-hmm. And it was as weird. I, we both worked with a lot of performers, so it wasn't yeah. like that was this wasn't typical. And also stylistically, we weren't the same at all. Different so schools of thought from that's another thing. Like, there's different schools of thought uh-huh. for how to make improv work too. Where did yeah. you Where did you learn how to do it? So I learned uh, Chicago City Limits, which okay. is a New York City mm-hmm. off Broadway company. Okay. Uh, then I went to Upper Citizens Brigade, New York. Uh, and taught there. Then I would go out to Chicago and learn from Improv Olympic out there. Um, and basically I would go, I kind of would just keep an ear to the ground for any teachers and I'd find out they're teaching any festivals and I'd, my improv group, we would go to all these festivals to learn from whoever was right. teaching. And you also teach? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we both teach. Is that What do you like better, performing or instructing? I, at this point in my life, get more out of teaching than I do performing it. I still like performing better, but I have come to a place where I can really enjoy my teaching too do you think that las vegas will be a place where this is uh, as a ticketed show is really going to take off or or have some sort of a renaissance because i've always felt improv is a very difficult sell in las vegas it's tough Uh, paul we got us we have to sound intelligent we also have to say no how do we handle this how do we do this i think you just did well i think the 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 the, interview it's a big interview the 
The improv show. <laughs> Guys, I can handle this question. No. Yeah. The live improv show <laughs> that has had success consistently is the Who's Line crew, right? Uh-huh. The uh-huh. Who's Line crew has the cachet and the television notoriety right. that lends itself to a ticket event. And even those, you get a two-night run, you're looking at. Yeah, they you know, come in. That's once that's a long, long time. And Wayne right. Brady does right. That's the same. The scenarios that come with it. If you're a celebrity of any sort, then watching you get on stage to play around and mess around is exciting because of the celebrity access factor. Mm-hmm. That's going to sell. So Wayne Brady sells. Whose line sells? Uh, Jim Belushi comes through with his troop, and that sells mm-hmm. okay. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Muppets did something similar and didn't sell well. Pop it up. Pop it up. Pop did it not up. sell yeah. well. Oh, they're not Muppets. Uh, I learned that the, the hard way. Oh, so sorry. Boy, are they the not puppet Muppets. The puppet-ups aren't Muppets. The puppet-ups, they're not Muppets. They Disney owns Muppets. Oh. Yeah, they Henson. were Jim Henson oh. decided. Henson, Henson doesn't own Muppets. Oh, okay. They look like Muppets. Right. Sure they're do. Muppets. Yeah. They look a lot like. There's, I mean, there's a guy smiley. Shut up. Clone <laughs> up there. Stop telling. Guy <laughs> smiley. But, um, yeah. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> it, would, Muppets, it would take either. Case. It would either take that okay. scenario where Paul right. and I would have to kind of elevate our status to some kind of that status to make our improv show work on the strip. Mm-hmm. Or it would take, like, you know, the Flamingo uh, had an agreement with Second City where, you know, they kind of helped make sure that that show stayed healthy at different times. uh, They were invested somehow financially. So it would take, like, honestly, the way, like, uh, Wynn fell in love with Danny Gans, it would take, like, someone like that to be like, we love Matt and Mattingly. Let's do it. You know, Mm. even um, Matt King came to our show and he was poking around being like, you know, as a late night show, because he saw The Bucket Show. Okay. Yeah, I've seen that. And yeah. he's like, uh-huh. he's like, Funny. as a late night, crazy, like raunchy, edgy show, I feel like this could work, you know. But even then, they poked around for a little bit, but never pulled the trigger. Within Caesar's thing. Entertainment, yeah, for Mac. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm thinking a place like uh, the back room at, um, at Bally's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that yeah. kind of place. That's what it needs. We have to, a yeah. few of those now at the uh, at the barge. Yeah. Uh, yes. Occasionally, Cleopatra's barge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It it looks like. Um, you know, I've always felt like improv is, <laughs> it's it's the most rewarding uh, form of entertainment when it works right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but do you need to finish that sentence, John? <laughs> when it and I'm uh, you guys have never been anything but terrific. I, but I have seen it not work. And it just, said. No, <laughs> it, it's terrifically uncomfortable. No, it's when a it phrase. Doesn't work. It's a phrase it goes, I've said often. When good, yeah. there's nothing better than good improv. Yeah, there is nothing it's worse really than bad great improv. To watch it. There's yeah. nothing worse than bad it's improv. A ver- yeah, exactly. There's I, real, I, it's the most painful thing to watch I when it's going bad. Puppet. You guys must have seen Puppet Up. I we, did. We, we, oh, were, yeah, we were like it. trying to find a way to get in. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh God. I, I thought it was I mean, great. Because I started up, when I started as a young kid, I did a 4-H ventriloquism uh, act. I started off as a ventriloquist. A what kind of a ventriloquist? 4-H? 4-H, yes. You know, when you have to have It's all an audio the, uh, podcast, buddy. Paul, Paul is doing <laughs> I'll a tell the audience. All right. Let I'll me tell do the audience video. that your lips aren't moving. <laughs> yeah. all right. Is that okay? For our, for our radio audience. Okay, Paul, do your ventriloquist. Okay. Hey, Johnny. It's so good to have you here. I'm so glad that you came on and, and you're, you're, you're telling us all these wonderful things. <laughs> this town is so lucky to have you. You understand? Oh, jeez. You, that's the puppet talking. Yeah, that's, that's it's just the puppet, not right. me. Yeah, yeah. I can't see too well. Yeah, is that so, Terry Fader over there? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Well, and I, I, ventriloquism. I've saw yeah. the original run of the Henson Company do it in New York when they were uh, mm-hmm. at the uh, Union Square Theater. Um, it, it, I was kind of, I was, I was kind of sure. I was like, oh, good. That it gives that platform you're talking about. People will yeah. come see it just for that factor. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I actually think that format's still valid. If you talk to people who work deeper in the production, I think, I think the actual production itself was set up in a way that was kind of 
hard. Yeah. I think yeah. It's a large room. I think there's a, I think there's room, a lot of sell. There's hard a lot sell. of budgetary things I think you could address on that to make that yeah. something mm-hmm. that works. Yeah. With a the, smaller cast. The core talent of it was was really fun. Yeah, they were it was remarkable. A little bit uh, uh yeah, a little We bit. had Grant on. Grant Pachoco came yeah. on who mm-hmm. has gone on to do a ton of work with the new uh, yes. MST3K revamp and all that uh-huh. and yeah. I interviewed him. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. great. So, yeah. 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 when we had him on, he was they were they were just I think I think they had just agreed to do the new MST3K. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah so he, he was very excited about that when he was on our show. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, so where I found, uh, I've seen you guys also was in a, a Fifty Shades show. That's right, Fifty Shades, the parody windows. over the window showroom. I like that show. We did too. Yeah. It was a great show. Yeah, I remember because that was on... another Second City connection. There, um, you know, that was improvisers wrote that show. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. Amanda Blake Davis was one of the co-authors of yeah. that uh, piece. She was one of the gals who played out here at uh, Flamingo oh. Main Stage. Right. How long did it run? Uh, two and a half years. Two and a half years. Oh, wow. Eight hundred yeah. shows. It did eight hundred shows. Okay, which is nice. Yeah. A little of eight hundred mm-hmm. shows, almost nine hundred. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Very funny. Yeah, I remember because we get a yeah, audition so for a lot of comedy things here in town. Uh, by a lot, we mean like three times a year. Three times a year. How many things happen? Because <laughs> when something doesn't involve, when something involves keeping your shirt on and audition notice in Vegas, it's very rare. Mm-hmm. And we get to go in for those things. <laughs> okay. And yeah. uh, those are the three. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, Attention, I'm re- shirted comedians. I remember reading the script. I submitted it all through, through like Vegas auditions or whatever, and I got the script. And I remember just, uh, like, I got this look of panic on my face. My wife was like, what? And I was like, this is actually funny. <laughs> like, oh, really? I was like, I read the script. I was like, oh, God, I really want to do this show. It was really funny. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, I'm not used to getting script and being like, oh, let's see this funny thing. And be like, all right, if they let me come in and I can try to do it my way, and maybe they'll like me or they'll hate me. Yeah. Yeah. But this is the only way I but think it's it'll really, be funny. It's a really smart thing. Yeah. You played the lead role. I got to be and Christian you, Gray, as did, Christian as Gray. did uh, and you both, Matt. Yeah. I was Paul's understudy, which mm-hmm. made our okay. relationship very that, contentious. <laughs> Really? No. Not at all. I, I remember that I was instructed or asked not to uh, explain that you were the lead role for the big reveal that you were the that lead was a, role. That's right. a, that's, that's, that made it weird. That's another tough thing of <laughs> it Vegas was very versus... very tough to promote. Yeah. It's impossible to promote if you can't explain mm, something. Kind of, the, of, yeah. There's another tough thing versus, uh, you know, when you come to Vegas and Vegas is its own market and getting butts and seats in Vegas is its own activity. Uh-huh. Um, as someone who's in the middle of that, because I worked at the, uh, the, uh, the stage management as right. well, so I was uh-huh. around for all the behind the scenes meetings with stuff, and I remember really hitting a frustration point with that, because um, I just worked at the same time I was working on Alibi, which was happening downtown, right? An interactive right. show downtown, right? And the cast there was getting mad that they were revealing all of these twists in our show, and I said, no one goes to a show alone. Mm-hmm. And not everyone who goes to a show has read every article on something before they go to a show. Mm-hmm. You can let people in on stuff. And they'll bring someone, and they won't tell you. So if I know that Paul's playing Christian Grey, and someone goes, oh, I love Fifty Shades, I'm going to say, oh, I'll bring you to the parody, and I'm going to joyfully not tell you a thing about it, and I'll w- let the surprise happen to my friend. Right. Right? Like, and I was like, we should let people in on the joke. I, I, I agree. It's very, you know, I don't want to ruin anybody's entertainment experience, but I have to uh, serve some purpose as to explain what you're spending your time and money on mm-hmm. to people who come to Las Vegas. Right. I mean, it's a very tricky thing. I ran into this with uh, Ben Berman. Yeah. And the, the John, getting back to Jonathan on that documentary where um, I had uh, revealed some of the plot points later with the, with the production, the producer who had signed on to, to be the executive producer, which was listed on IMDb before. Right when it was put on Hulu or before, yeah, it's already and it's not and it's not even a fictional account. This is happening in real life, right? Yeah, and I met, I explained it uh, how this was all connected. And Ben and uh, 
AJ and Anastasia were like, oh, you're ruining, you're spoiling the the movie. And I'm like, how do I, I mean, I'm also recounting what happens in life. Yes. This is a fact. People, anybody who goes to IMDb can find this or any mm-hmm. of the sites. And the answer to me, I think, for and am I Anastasia really going to read? Nobody goes to IMDb. I go, okay. Well, if you think that, why is there an IMDb in the first place? <laughs> right. Why do we have Wikipedia? Also, yeah. like, you're reading that article, like, oh, this documentary is unwatchable. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I'd Either like to quantify wanna... that. Several million viewers, potential viewers, said they would refuse to watch because <laughs> of that crucial plot point. Uh, I mean, you either want to watch an amazing Jonathan documentary or you don't. That is, those are people, exactly. The last thing you're thinking about when you're watching an Amazing John the documentary is the, is the end little caveat plot point about how it all. Well, well the whole also, thing was that he went to, he went to London yeah. to talk to the producer. Yeah. You know, this is the big, yeah, and then right. he asked him, will you, you've seen it. Yeah. Will you, will you produce my movie? And then there's this, no answer. Yeah. And then you fade to the credits. Yeah. And there he is listed as the executive. There you go. It's a nice touch and all, but that wouldn't have... Yeah. I, I wouldn't even have thought about that as I... <laughs> and also, if I'm watching the Amazing Jonathan documentary, sorry, Ben Berman, yeah. I don't care about you if your name isn't Amazing Jonathan when I'm watching that documentary. <laughs> well, that's a separate issue. That's another yeah. issue. But the... And also, that, it was, that, was, that scene is completely cribbed from the Muppet movie when they go to meet Orson Welles. Whoa, they meet Orson Welles? Thanks. <laughs> Spoiler! Jesus. I'm no longer listening to this podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're gonna, yeah, they're going to have to just erase, <laughs> no one will ever erase the, the tape. <laughs> this episode of Podcasts will be right back. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts and you like what you're hearing, please leave us a rating and review. If you want to support the show, that's the best way to do it. Your reviews go a long way to help podcasts reach new listeners. Now back to the show. I want to ask you uh, about um, working with Penn and uh, Penn Gillette. Is this for me? Yeah. Okay. Um, Matt. <laughs> uh, because I, I was just watching, uh, I, was, I was thinking about him. Uh, I watched the uh, Siegfried and Roy uh, documentary, uh, or the uh, 2020 special mm-hmm. uh, that they did, the two-hour special, and he was in that. And I was thinking about who would be the next kind of thing in the next show in Las Vegas. You could say is the iconic magic, you know, yeah, at least do or at least you know team show. And I kind of keep coming back to those guys, Penn and Teller. It is fascinating. You know? It's you know? nineteen years at the Rio now. Nineteen years. And I think only Max been here like a like a little longer than that. Yeah, about twenty. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, um, and what's fun is Copperfield settled down here. Uh, yeah. And that mm-hmm. was that was since I've been in Vegas. So that last ten like, years. Or yeah, so. yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's fun about that is that Penn and Teller are at their best when they're counterculture. You know, when they're counter yeah. or something. So actually, having Copperfield settle down here is probably the best thing to happen to them. Cause He's they, the they, culture. Because yeah, because it allows them to still have <laughs> someone to punch up at. Oh yeah. Okay. But, but I think if, if he wasn't here, then I, I think it's hard for them to keep their edge it's, and. They really have become like the the biggest. Exactly, the they are the statesman. institution now. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, now they don't give everything I've talked about. They don't care about at all. If I were to mm-hmm. say that to them, they would hate this conversation entirely. Yeah, because uh, they don't even want, they wouldn't even want to look at any of the things, any of the categories we're talking about. They would not like, but. I like it as someone who's team. Well, team there are certain benchmarks. Yeah, they, they've been kind of averse. They're not big award touters necessarily, no. or or pursuers. No, but they do. There are times when they say, when they back up and say, "Gosh, we've done this for this long." You yeah, know, it's kind of amazing to even. Yeah, ask. Um, but it must be challenging uh, and uh, fulfilling at once to to be uh, on on air with them or on his podcast. Oh, do everything you can with them. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, being a co-host of Penn Sunday School, well, first off, was the biggest break I ever got. Mm-hmm. You know, everything that I'm doing now is directly attached to that moment. Yeah. 
Um, so I write on Penn and Teller Fool Us. I tour as a magician, as Matt Donnelly, my another opening up for Fifth of Magic Dragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work over at Fifth of Magic Dragon show as well. Right. You know, um, I do this podcast, uh, Matt and Manning's Extreme Social, and that has brought me a tremendous amount of, of notoriety and success as well. All of that is attached to me sitting down and hosting Penn Sunday School. Take that all away. Mm-hmm. If I were to do nothing else in entertainment, but get the privilege of talking to Penn Gillette for two hours every Sunday, I would do anything to do. I that. don't know where they where you all find the time to do it. I yeah. mean, really, that's an extensive. He's such time a, alone. but he's just a fascinating human being. Mm-hmm. He's one of those voices in your head that you have imaginary conversations with when you're trying to work out stuff in your own head. You know, yeah, you deal with your own problems. I kind of like will picture talking to Penn, and then like that'll help work it out. Uh huh. Like he's one I'm of those sure. yeah. seminal voices in, in in my in my. Brain. Have I ever told you the Lou Reed my Lou Reed comparison story with Pendulum? No. Have I ever told you that? You know he does. He tells a story about Lou Reed. Yeah. Where um he he has in his life been able to have an, enough um uh, achievement yeah. to have some f- friends that are pretty freaking you know impressive. Salman Rushdie and you yeah, know, he dated Debbie Harry and mm-hmm. you know all you go through the whole thing. Yeah. He's forged some sort of friendship with Bob Dylan and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And he's talking about having lunch with Lou Reed, and he says, uh, I was having lunch with Lou Reed, and, and Lou Reed says to me, uh, you have to make me a promise. You have to promise me something. And uh, Penn says, what? And he goes, if we're going to remain friends, you're going to have to stop crying. <laughs> and he told me that story, and I go, you know what? I think you're my Lou Reed. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That. That's funny. I've, I've assigned him as my Lou Reed. There's something about that. Uh, yeah, ongoing conversation that is very powerful to me. Really, definitely. Yeah. And I actually empathize with that story. <laughs> I remember working. I did Wayne Brady's oh, show yeah. when I first moved here. Oh yeah, at the and, Venetian. Uh, at the Venetian. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember complimenting him. And he did like this Elvis. The first time I saw him do, he did like an, a whole Elvis number in his song, improvised. You know, in the, in yeah, the show. Of course. But he bust, busted mm-hmm. into Elvis, and it was so good. Like it was not. It was not like a. It was not like a comedic Elvis. It was like a stage presence, yeah. mm-hmm. full bodied Elvis. And you know, obviously Wayne Brady doesn't look a lot like Elvis. But uh, but I was like really thrown by that. And so after the show, I was like, man, when you did Elvis, I started talking to him about it, and I started like weeping as I told him how good he was. <laughs> did you really? And, yes. Oh, and I was like, geez. this is really weird. I'm trying to have this moment with him, and now I've really. How did he respond like, to this? Uh, coldly. <laughs> He's a tough Wayne's a, Wayne Bray's a tough interview. Yes, by the way. Also, I think if you look back, I, uh, I, he went on Aisha Tyler's podcast. So I'm not speaking out of school. The time that he hired me, uh, he ends up conceding uh, that was a very tough time in his life. Yeah, yeah. So I, okay. I, I, uh, I definitely had an interesting time over there. I remember he would walk in, and he would sometimes look look at me in the face, and the look. I honestly, I believe I interpret this 100 percent accurately. He goes. I forgot I hired Matt. You know, like he's like, I forgot I'm working right. with you all week. Was this look on his face? Like he really hired me on a whim. Yeah, yeah. He flew okay. to New York. Uh, I was moved to Vegas. Three weeks later, he threw an audition in New York for his Vegas show. Yeah, it's the strangest he came thing. in right after Gordy was a, was a, yeah at the the Venetian th- um, what's now Sands showroom. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was mm-hmm. like out of a movie. I was in a room with fifty improvisers, and it whittled down to two. And then at the end of the two, and I felt really bad for the per- I know the person who was, it was Glennis, this fantastic improviser. And I turned to her and I, and I basically was like, I gave her a look like, I'm really sorry I'm about to do this. But as soon as it was, it was done, it was down the two of us, it was done. And I said, uh, by the way, Wayne, yeah, I live in Las Vegas. Yeah. And he's like, what? I go, I live. I went from 50 improvisers down to two and then played my final card at the end to be Boom. like, I, I live I'm 10 a lo- minutes from the showroom. I'm a local hire. And then I got hired by Wayne to do wow. his show. 
Yeah. Wow. Is he, is he, I've always felt Wayne Brady's one of the best uh, entertainers I've seen, just as far as his range of skills. That's the thing. Is, is entertainer is the right word and why I thought he was a great fit for Vegas. He's mm-hmm. a great entertainer. Yeah. yeah, he can do it all. Great storyteller, great comedian, great singer. Yeah. Yeah. Great um, improv, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. improv, dancing. Be amazing. Yeah, that it's Elvis Jackson is the role he used to play. You know that he worked at the MGM theme park. Elvis. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. He performed that. For the El- it was called Elvis Jackson. Yeah. he's told me that there story. Yeah, and uh, and and became known for that. Yeah, yeah. Who else is out there that who are who do you consider great in your craft? At, at uh, improvisers at improv improv. Uh, me personally, I you know was lucky enough to work with uh, Jason Sudeikis while he was out here in Vegas. Right, mm-hmm. and I have never seen a sharper improviser like he's 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 the babe ruth every time he stepped up forget mm-hmm. about it mm-hmm. like, I, like and that was what I, i've continued to follow his career and he's had all these great successes and i love all the stuff that he's done but i'm always a little heartbroken that people don't get to see him improvise as often yeah he's just so good at it i remember that i saw yeah. him here. they sky hooked him right from here to snl right pretty much the, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that was directly that, that was a year there uh where i was subbing in for him and a couple of other guys i was doing all three of the male roles in the mainstay show as they kept going okay. back and forth to uh new york to audition yeah, yeah yeah who else did i talk to in those days belushi is it rob belushi, rob belushi mm-hmm. the nephew of john belushi, yes uh, jim belushi's son jim belushi's son yeah that's right mm-hmm. he, I, I interviewed him yeah yeah rob days. rob came out here and stayed with me for a while while he was first moving out to vegas and right got to be pals with him good guy good guy mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i enjoyed it uh amy poehler i was when i went was okay. i was, was in new york she was doing improv she was just uh she had not even booked SNL yet, but she had her theater in New York with the guys that she did the Comedy Central show with, with the actual mm-hmm. Operations Brigade show. And watching her do improv, I was like, there's no one better. She she's does it all. to keep your eyes off. Mm-hmm. You know, she's, she's, you just want to watch her. She yep. looks like she's oh, up yeah. to something all the time. She also was like a punk. She just wore, like, she wore like, <laughs> no makeup. She barely did her hair. She <laughs> came out of a t-shirt and jeans, and she was a little tough. And she just crushed it. Oh. She just crushed it. Yeah. You've just started, by the way, just to start doing the My Noodler thing, right? Yes. Is that real t- what is that? I haven't seen any of that. Uh, I basically got into Magic on a Dare. I was, uh, you know, I've, been, I've worked the last six seasons on Foolis. Uh, basically, I do everything for like Allison Hannigan. I help write her lines and do her interview mm-hmm. prep and all that mm-hmm. other stuff and kind of do all things that keep Allison Hannigan happy at, yeah, at Foolis. Yeah, co-host. Or, yeah, or yeah. Show. Or host of the show, I guess. Yeah, she's the host yeah. of, uh, of uh, Foolis. Foolis. And... Um, so because of that, I get to watch a lot of the magicians, you know, rehearse and do stuff or whatever. And, um, you know, uh, what happens is I can't tell Penn and, Je- Penn and Teller about the contestants ahead of time. They have to be kept secret. Oh, really? They don't know, even know the identity? Mm-mm. Huh. And so... Uh, so what, rules. So what happens is then after each taping, <laughs> I finally go sit down with Penn. And I finally get to talk about all the things I think about the contestants. And he gets, tells me what he thinks, you know. Uh-huh. I basically defrag after every episode taping in his dressing room with him. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, I basically was mouthing off. I saw a guy do this really great effect where he made like a prop appear in like a bottle above his head or whatever. And his presentation to me was so-so. And he was a corporate corporate magician type. And I go like, man, these corporate magician types, I feel like if I just learned four tricks, I could do this. And get you corporate know. work. Yeah. Get corporate money. Yeah. And Penn goes, uh, you can. You should. Why don't you do it? Learn a trick. Okay. And I was like, Oh boy! Sweat on I my, can feel that. <laughs> yeah, just sweat on my now brow. Now you've got to try to do mm-hmm. And now i got to try. And mm-hmm. so with this in my head... I was kind of going around and sizing up other magicians that I knew, like Teller and mm-hmm. other Piff and other people around town. And I bet, I bet my friends would, maybe they don't, nobody wants to mentor me, I bet, but I bet each one would teach me one trick. Okay. And so uh, Fifty Shades closed, 
and I put my money where my mouth is. I put a crowdfunder together and, and uh, said, if you guys fund this magic show, I'll put a magic show together. And I went to every magician and said, will you teach me one trick? They all said yes. And I lined them all up. And I put together a show of seven tricks and did a, <laughs> and did a show. So who, okay, so it's Penn, Penn Teller combined do, taught no, you a trick? No, no, no. Penn teaches Penn, me a trick. Penn, okay. I don't know if you know this. They rarely like to work together unless they have to, Johnny. Uh, I, They've been well, together I don't for know a long if this time. Is, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the relationship, but I didn't know. I don't know, yeah. know if it was like a Lennon and McCartney thing where they where they would. No, um, no. It's a competitive was, thing. Like, I'm going to teach them something. You teach them something. Let's see, who, let's see which okay. trick does better. So Penn comes forth with yeah. a trick. Yes. Okay. And that trick is actually what you can, if you YouTube my noodler, that trick that I do on Fool Us is the trick that Penn taught me. Okay. Um, the producers didn't know that, but uh, that was my that was my play. I thought they were the producers. Oh, uh, no, well, uh, well the, the contestants, people line up the contestants. Oh, okay. All right. So I said, hey, I, you know, I'm doing magic now. We, we, mm-hmm. Will you let me on the show? But not... Uh, they basically no was their answer, and I said, "Well, look at the tape." <laughs> and uh, I am, uh, you know, uh, I'm funny, and I'm not doing card tricks, which is which is a uh, uh, two categories that we were light on. Okay, that fool us. And, and so, you needed you needed and you're to be from funny. the U.S. Yeah, okay. I need to be. I was from the U.S. I'm wondering well, what the talent pool is like then. After, they, if uh, you look this year, this season of Fool Us, there was more foreign contestants than American contestants on the show this okay. year. They, okay, they reach they reach uh, out. They're big far in the UK. Wide. I know that. Yeah, yeah, those guys. Um, and so I was like, basically, it's like, you'll save money by putting me on the show. Uh, and they said, are Pentel familiar with, uh, with, with your trick? I go, they've, they've seen it. <laughs> uh, and then. <laughs> not, not inaccurate. <laughs> no, not inaccurate. So I do the trick. Teller doesn't know the trick that Penn taught me. Oh, okay. So Teller, if you watch this thing, Teller's very intent. If you watch the Penn and Teller clip, Teller's looking all over the place, trying to okay. make sure he knows everything about the thing. Okay. And if you've ever watched the show at a taping, you know that they huddle up and they start talking. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And so often if they're on stage, the, Teller will just start talking right as they walk back to the chair. Just gets right into it. Uh-huh. And uh, t- so if, if you're at the taping, you saw Penn and Teller walk towards the chair and Teller is going, they're like, okay, so I saw this, I saw that. And Penn just goes, shut up, shut up, Teller, shut up. We have everything. We know everything. We have everything. <laughs> <laughs> and then for the first time in their taping careers of uh-huh. Penn and Teller Fools, they watched a magician get interviewed by Alison Hannigan. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, so there's one. Yeah. Who else? Who else uh, helped Teller out? taught me a trick. Okay. Uh, Penn taught me a trick separately. Johnny Thompson, I asked him to teach me one. He taught me like four or five. Okay. Very good. Um, and Johnny would let me come over his house and rehearse in his living room and came to my shows. Johnny Thompson was an amazing Super guy. guy. Uh, yeah. He just passed away. He's, uh-huh. he's very missed by yeah. many magicians. Yeah. Wonderful um, man. Wonderful man. Piff. Okay. Uh, taught me a trick. Um, Brian Brushwood. Uh, I don't know him. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a scam school, uh, big YouTube guy. Okay. Uh, he's a touring magician. Brian Brushwood. Brian yeah. Brushwood. Modern Rogue is his. Uh, yeah. He's out of Austin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he's, Austin. Not a, he's not a Vegas not guy. Not a Vegas okay. guy. Okay. Uh, another non-Vegas guy, Eric Dillman, worked with me. Uh, and then, uh, Matt King helped me with ropes. Okay. Uh, and then, um, but the biggest factor was, uh, RJ Owens, a big baby from uh-huh. Astaire. Astaire. Not yeah. a lot of people know he was recruited. He was doing street magic. He was a magician. He was doing street magic when he was recruited by Cirque. And wow. so he has this huge magic background that was going to, was, was on the back burner while he was doing Mystere, and so he came out and worked with me. He's performed that, God, I want to say Baobab or Inspire Theater. It's one of the yeah. offshoot shows, yeah. Really yeah. Really great guy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He he actually bought me dinner at Peppermint one night. Yeah. RJ. He's a classy he guy. hit a jackpot at the... 
He loves Treasure the slots. Island. He loves yeah. the slots. Yeah. He had a big one. No, he's he's, yeah. he's bought cars off his jackpot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had a really yeah. nice meal, really nice time. You know, I've I've uh, been uh, uh, one of the stats that I've been reciting about Las Vegas is there's more than twenty uh, magic headlining shows in in the city really? right now. If you do, do if you do look it up, like shows that are based on magic or mentalism or, or mm. psychic. Uh, Some gotta go. They gotta make way for the mind noodler. <laughs> yeah. <go>. What does <laughs> the mind noodler think about? <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> I love you. Uh, Reno's hiring. <laughs> Best of luck in Bad the future endeavors. Bad news for you, Mike Hammer. Um, <laughs> but what? Uh, um, and Paul, I want to ask you. You're part of the, the Spiegel World Universe. Right I am. Now. I have. What been, is your role in that? Right I, now? I, I right now I am currently an assistant front of house manager. Yeah, that's right. So I'm uh, I'm out there helping uh, uh, fill in the seats and make sure everybody's uh, ticketed where they're supposed to be and all that kind of stuff and just prep work for the for the audience, waste of you know? talent. Well, I mean, I I've, mean you're great at it, but I, come on. I've worked with them for a long time. I used mm-hmm. to promote for uh, Spiegel for a long time outside at dressed up as the gazillionaire, handing out yeah. handing out uh, discount coupons for the show for yeah. years and years while I was doing side projects with this guy. Um, yeah. That wasn't a character, though. You were just... You, no, you were just out behaving there. Just, as a, just, just, hey, hey, hey. Yeah, yeah. So just hamming it up. There's an opening for the gazillionaire right now. There is. Do, 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 do. <laughs> How's that going? Uh, we'll see. All right. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Yeah. I, I know. I've you should be Johnny Catch be Johnny Sharks. <laughs> <laughs> Start asking questions like that. We should play the... Da, da. Well, I know this that you guys have both had uh, Spiegel World and currently have Spiegel World experience, and that's an interesting yes. place for for. It's a brilliant company, artistically. Absolutely, there's no doubt about it. I think uh, um, we're both very attracted to Spiegel World, honestly, because um, their humor. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, there aren't you know Cirque du Soleil is an amazing company. If you get a job at Cirque, you obviously make a good living as whatever you do, clown, mm-hmm. acrobat, whatever you can do. Yeah, mm-hmm. but for if you're if, if you're a foul mouthed comic, they're definitely in our there's, wheelhouse. There's not a lot there. Whereas that's Spiegel it. World. Yeah, you know, I was. This is interesting because I was uh, had this conversation with Cal McChrystal. Yeah, at uh, who's written the, um, the Atomic Saloon show, mm-hmm. and I, I w- that was reinforced. Both of the qualities you've talked about were reinforced in that in that conversation and in, in studying uh, uh, the the performances over at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe. Yeah, Cirque is the gold standard when it comes to acrobatic shows still, but for comedy. Yeah, it's it's a it's an odd fit. For if a lot you of have like an edgy, if you really like pushing poking at the audience mm-hmm. while also being really funny, you know, yeah, Spiegel World really has a great appreciation for that. They will, yeah, they will explore the boundaries. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. very very fearless. Um, what, did you see Atomic? You've seen it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, what did you guys think? We, uh, I loved it. I yeah. loved it. Yeah. I dug it. Yeah, great, yeah. great time. Yeah. I think the venue is unique. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got I got to sit on the, one of the seats around the stage there. Yeah. And so you really kind of get to take in the show from the performer's perspective a little bit. Are you talking there? about behind the stage? Yeah, yeah. Like oh, okay. the, you Looking know, the, out at the... Not, no, not the pews, but the actual... Oh, okay. The right circular part of the stage, yeah. Okay. Right in yeah, the middle. Where you are. Right in the middle. Thrust. I got to go see it up from Robin's Nest, where yeah. you got the Robin Leach mm-hmm. picture up there. Yeah. And I got to see it from all that. I, I loved the, uh, you know, of course, it's got a country western kind of yeah. theme going on. I love the musical uh, cues that pop in and the musical choices for some of the performances. As a Kentucky boy, I can't break free of some of those. Uh, it pulls on the heartstrings a bit for me. It's, it's, it's really, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I, I, re- I really enjoyed that country aspect. Yeah, it takes it, me back. Is it is it uh, uh, among your objectives to be on stage in the Spiegel World con- context at some point? Generally, uh, it has been for a long time. Yeah. Yes, I've always I've always dreamed of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they've got another a couple titles. Well, they got one other title coming in that da- the dance show, the disco right. thing. Mm-hmm. Have you uh, explored that at all? We are here. It's called. I have not. I've just uh, I've, I've been hearing 
rumblings, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I mean, you know, and Matt has been uh, got the chance to work with the opium production. Right, came in and everything. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got Matt in trouble. Right. That's true. Yeah, Johnny and I got we got in trouble. Trying to give, uh, we got each other in trouble. Yeah, we got in a, trouble. We made <laughs> we good on opening trouble. night. We made good on opening night. No, it was good. Yeah, no, it was all good. Yeah, I, yeah. you know, that's the thing about covering uh, Spiegel World. By the way, yeah, it's tough. It's tough to promote <laughs> and and support when you can't <sighs> specify what the hell can't spill being. all the beans. Yeah, so that was interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah. The whole point of that column, the the idea was to um, give credit where it was due. Yeah. You know? And everybody got mad. Uh, yeah, I guess to give the listeners some context, I signed a non-disclosure mm-hmm. agreement when I started working on the creative team oh, for that show. Oh, I didn't show. realize that. And uh, we were doing an odd press event where we were letting these aliens come down from the escalator of the Casa Paul and mm-hmm. do some big jam band thing or whatever, right? Yep. And uh, <laughs> up another and then I was working on the show. I could have skipped this event. It was right. we were rehearsing. We we're just taking a break from rehearsal. To you this didn't press have event. anything to do at the event. At the event, no. I just, just want to see my uh-huh. cast that I was working yeah. with do their thing. And uh, as I'm watching there, Johnny Cat sees me and walks over to me. And goes, oh, so <laughs> seeing something weird like this, I figured someone like you couldn't be too far away. And I was like, right. Uh-huh. And then. So Johnny basically lets me know he's going to write that he, that I that I'm working on this show in this column, and I thought there's so many other people working on this show besides me. I don't right. want to be the only person getting credit, which for was this a commendable thing. Yeah. Show. Mm-hmm. Right? I better not take. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not about to take full credit for the new Speaker World show right. uh, at this press event. Mm-hmm. So I go, oh, no, 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 and I just name a few other names that are working on it, and yeah. so Johnny publishes the names that I give him. And then I get. Uh, yeah, he didn't make him up. I get a letter. <laughs> I get a letter from my. This time. I get a letter from the lawyer of Spiegel World. I mean, I was in full violation of my non. Full violation. Yeah. Full. That I was in. Uh, that I was in trouble. That's for worse than partial. That's yeah. 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 Violation. Uh, and uh, you're yeah, kind of violating. To, he disclosed himself. And, and I did. I was talking oh, by the company management, full and I had to violation. write respond to their lawyer, and oh, it, was a, it was a fun. It was a fun day at work. You know, it's like you can't win for losing sometimes with these people. <laughs> but it's like when you when you study the characters and the people behind the characters, you run you really want to, to identify them because you know that's yeah. what we do. But God, you know, it's tricky. It is. It's, it's funny when I get official response out of a Spiegel World through Gaz. <laughs> <laughs> I just will just say that I'm like, am I? T- what is this? Is this a real response? Is this a real thing? <laughs> right. is it- I like Bill McBeth's com- comment. He says, "I don't know. Sometimes I'm talking to Ross or to Gaz. I, I, you'll be in a meeting with yeah, Ross yeah. Mollison. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> he was there that day, by the way, at the opium thing. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's it, he, he is a uh, and Ross is. You know, you you, you interviewed him. We, yeah, you're, you're interviewed. I know him, him well. Mm-hmm. He's he's really his passion is special. Yeah. You know, he, there's no reason why he has to keep creating and making the shows that he does. Not uh, when you have absinthe. No. no. And mm-hmm. to keep wanting to do something very different. And if you talk to him, he's so passionate about the theme or through line of each and every show. Uh, and it shows. And it shows. How'd you mm-hmm. get involved in Opium? Um, I was uh, uh, working with social media for uh, absinthe. Okay. And I was hitting off with Ross at parties and, and we were just joking around all the time. You were a social media account for... Yeah. Okay. And then he uh, he also uh, knew that I worked for Penn and Teller and worked for Penn and Teller, whatever. And so we just kept talking at different things. And at one point he had like a um, like a comedy meeting. He just took anyone funny 
and had a meeting with them or whatever. And this was before Opium or for anything else. He just wanted to see if there's other stuff they could do at Spiegel World. He just was passionate about comedy. And I was one of the, one of the, the six people collected at this crazy lunch. And uh, right. hit it off with them there. And all of a sudden they said they were creating Opium and why don't you join the team? He's a great recruiter. He is. That's why I'm excited about uh, my comedy partner kind of getting on the radar as a talent over there. Because they keep tabs of talent. They don't, I know. They, they don't have a spot I'm, for them I, right away. I'm pro that. I, I've, you know, there's the, that role, the gazillionaire role, is, is the most important in that production company. Yeah. No doubt about it. No it's doubt. The, it's the central figure. Yes. Of all of them. So I hope uh, whatever they do is the right move, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know, Paul, you're there all the time. How do you explain the success of, uh, of Absinthe being on, on the inside of that tent all the time? I would say... Um, when I was promoting, my catchphrase was always, it's everything from the profane to the sublime, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that mm-hmm. covers the bases. And I think that's exactly it. Not many people running on the street can make people Google, you know, <laughs> the meanings of two words at the same time. It's that 90s band? Before yeah. they... Profane? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They open for jars They open Kurt for Cobain jars of clay. Sublime. They open for jars of clay. Yeah. <laughs> I got to see this show. It's got Kurt Cobain and a band in here. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, it's some of the filthiest... Most disgusting comedy wrapped around some of the most beautiful acrobatic and strength routines you'll ever see in your life. Can you teach an acrobat comedy? I had this conversation with Cal <laughs> McChrystal. He swears you can you can identify comedy in any and a, a gymnast or an acrobatic person and, and frame a comedy act around it. I, I was wondering if that was actually the case. I, I, I was but saying, this is before I saw Atomic. But yeah, okay. I imagine you could. As, a, as an improv teacher, I always say it's easier to teach actors to improvise than it is to teach improvisers to act. Yes, sure. So, oh, okay. So right. Okay. So like, if you've already, if you're already a trained professional in an art, we can we can put the window dressing around that because down yeah. to the core of again, right back to your improv stuff, improv. It's like like you say, can you learn improv? Can you go to school and learn it? Mm-hmm. What we teach is the the window dressing. What we teach is how to paint a picture, how to use a little more mime work, how to uh-huh. how to how to bring the audience deeper into the scene that you're creating. But when you put throw all that away, the only thing you want to see in a good improvised scene is how does one character feel about the other character moment to moment to moment. Mm-hmm. That's all that matters. So if you have a professional who can in some way show us feeling through physicality, which already mm-hmm. that's that's two parts of the three-part <laughs> improv recipe anyway. If they're showing me emotion through their physicality and then they're able to connect with the audience with all that, it is very easy to then tie a bell yeah. around that cow and make it make it a little ridiculous. You know, when I was it's funny you should mention this because when I was growing up, my favorite TV show, my favorite stuff to watch on TV were either variety shows or, or improv-ish shows. Mm-hmm. Was Saturday Night Live, the original. I, was, sure. I, was yeah, like, yeah. I felt I was the only kid watching Saturday Night Live in my life right. when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. And I'd take, like, you know... Uh, the Fast Drunk Brothers Act to my school. Right? <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I was, was definitely so Hans and Franz on my school. There you go. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. I was like, yeah. you know, now are the foxes. And they did, yeah. and at this, my grade school, they did not know what to do with me. And the other one was um, uh, SCTV. Yes. And uh, that was interesting because I knew they were improv, but it was also a TV show that, that mm-hmm. played out scripted. Sure. 
But um, the core of both of those shows, I, I we're Second City primarily, but right. both. Yeah. So what you're saying is, uh, is that skill can be transferred either way. I, I always say, like, right. if you tell a joke and you bomb, and you know you bombed, then you're beginning to understand humor. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if you suck and you know you sucked, then you actually are beginning this assessment of a relationship you have between you and the audience. Right. So, like, and if you said something you're funny and you knew you were funny... Like that assessment is good, and so now what we can begin is to give you a vocabulary so that you can assess that relationship. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. And I think with Spiegel, especially, they have done a lot of work through the clown uh, mindset, mm-hmm. and clown is a different animal, and requires, I think, that outside eye to watch you being you, and someone outside can see what your core energy is much easier than you might even understand it. Right. Right? And, and clowning is different than improv, which is funny. Way. And we've taken clown classes. I found them very challenging. Very. And also it's helped us. Like yes. uh, it's changed the way we improvise in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Right. And well, it's interesting. One of the one of the figures I talked to, one of the performers I talked to that has been on both sides of the clown, Cirque, and Spiegel world, yeah. world is uh, Petra Massey. Yes. Who was in Zumanity yep. at the opening and, and part of Spy Monkey. Yeah. And uh, had had a not uh, uniformly positive experience in the Cirque era, but is killing it in the Atomic Saloon show. Yeah, as a and character. I, and I think it comes you know? down to humor. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think Cirque du Soleil has humor and wants humor in their shows, but the type of humor they want is very specific and and um, and universal, and therefore it doesn't come off as edgy to Americans. Yeah. Well, I think I think the clown work in O was funny. I like mm-hmm. them a lot, yeah. and I've thought, I've laughed through uh, Zumanity also at, yeah. at the characters yeah, yeah. in there. But it, but they're very tightly, yeah, yeah, yeah. constructed, con- con- constructed. Yeah, yeah, you know that too. Everything yes. about it is very precise, right? Um, and that's the thing is that and I think one of the coolest things if you go see Atomic Saloon, if you go see Absinthe, you go see Opium. Mm-hmm. Tightly constructed is not the uh, no. way you would. Uh, no, it's a loose goose. It's yeah, a runaway you feel like moment. anything could happen. That you know, we did that. Nothing is off limits. We did that, that thing with Her- uh, Harry M. Howie where I was doing uh, interviews with Harry M. and we're hanging yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I learned a lot about Spiegel World from the inside. <laughs> <and doing> those. <laughs> I, I loved it. I wanted I to keep say, doing them. But... I was around for some of those planning sessions of where we were taking you and why and what was going to happen. Oh, I learned that... Uh, it was with Harry, yeah. That the, the, there were certain things that I was that he was saying that w- didn't play that played well for our purposes that didn't play well in reality. Yes, we were dropping names of executives and what the, what vehicle they might be driving for. Example. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Sensible. And we almost almost got killed in an auto, automobile accident. <laughs> that was that wasn't scripted. We almost got, <laughs> yeah, you heard that story that we almost got yes. t-boned in the, the atomic uh, oh geez. vehicle. No, oh, yeah, the new the new uh, rolls. Oh, know. okay, I've seen that. That's yeah, a, that's they, a they, it was nice. the first voyage of that, so we we're going to go over to McDonald's and get. Uh, <laughs> Coffee. We did go to McDonald's and get coffee. And I went out of McDonald's. Who was driving the Squire? Um, oh, Brett. Yeah. No, it wasn't. No, it was no. the first one. Tyler. Oh. Tyler. Oh, yeah. He was driving, and uh, I was, you know, I was back there talking to Harry, and we crossed three lanes of traffic, and we I, a Ford F one fifty almost got us. <laughs> I mean, this thing was full on <laughs> smoke tires. Oh. <laughs> And I go, wow. I go, wow, you guys are really realistic with this. This is really scary. Yeah. And it's pretty brilliant, actually. He's like, that's not part of the script. <laughs> <laughs> but only Ross would think about doing a rollout with one person, a set. It was a scene for, there were scenes for one particular individual. individual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Nobody does that. No. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next for you guys? What's what's uh, so the podcast? Or podcast. Our podcast has been going super well. We're very excited about where this is growing. Uh, and we do a lot of events based around our podcast, a lot of what we call scoop events yeah. or whatever. So yeah. our listeners... How do people find the Scoop Fest, by the way? I, I, I hit it incidentally, but yes. oh, they just uh, have to follow the... Yeah, is that the yeah. Right? I mean, eventually, yeah. when we know details, it all goes up on, uh, on heyscoops.com, our website. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, like um, Piff was up for some awards in, uh, in the, uh, for the Best of Vegas Awards. The and uh, Yeah. And our, RGB, our, yeah. Our, our listeners motivate like few other podcast listeners do. We, uh-huh. have a, we, we joke that we're not a cult. And then, but but if you went to <laughs> if you went to servethecult.com, it redirected to votes for Piff's awards. Yeah, uh, and then not we, all cults are bad. Yeah. And then we turned right around and did that for Penn and Teller, and Penn and Teller up for uh, uh, you know USA, USA Today. Today, and they were oh, in, and they were neck that and, worked. It, that's it. Who were they work against Copperfield? Copperfield, Copperfield came in Copperfield. came in with some fire and towards is, the end. Yeah. This is the funny thing about having the, having the, having the podcast that we do. So Penn and Teller neck and neck with Copperfield. And I get a text, Pentel don't care about awards, but you know, their manager does. <laughs> I know that. Chris. So I get a text, I get a text <laughs> from Glenn Ally going, motivate the scoops. We're in second place. Motivate the scoops. Mm-hmm. And so and it worked. Uh, we, we launched uh, and all of a sudden, you know, serve the cult.com went to the old vote for mm-hmm. vote for Penn. Vote so for I, I, I followed this and I was, I, you know, there, there was no bad outcome of that because it's a no. USA Today thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I was very interested in that list. You guys must have been too because we had yes. Penn and Taylor, David Copperfield, yeah. uh, Lady Gaga. Yeah. yeah. Big Elvis. Big Elvis is it's up there. Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Paul Legend, Abdul, Legends who's done two concert. previews. Uh, yeah, yeah, Paul yeah. Abdul. Legends Paul. concert was on Legends. the list. Uh-huh. They, they were number two for a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, Legends was, at least is a, is a, a ticketed, ongoing, right. and long-running been around, show. Yeah. Been there for They've a been while. around for a long time. Big Elvis, you find. And he does a great show, but you find him on your way to Carnival Court. I mean, you know, in the afternoon over at yeah. Harris. So. It was literally, the, like, that, that let me know that he was still in town. Ah, twenty <laughs> yeah. something years. I was not. Yeah. I, I I was not aware that he was still. But, doing uh, so we're. Oh, I was going to say, but we are going to uh, record a comedy album. That's what we're doing right now. Okay, we're working and on. We are going, you guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. The ice cream social. Matt and Manny, ice cream social. We're 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 recording a comedy album at the moment, and uh, we're going to uh, when it gets launched for sale on a certain day, we're going to motivate our audience to buy it on a particular day. Okay. So if and the if, cult will go to uh, that, that we'll purchase item. that purchase item. <laughs> and if, uh, get to me on that, too. I want to I oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. We can yeah. use there's, all the There's a playbook for if you if you do it all within a particular time frame. If everyone buys your album within a particular prime time frame, then you have to uh, get listed on Billboard Music Awards as the number one comedy album if you actually hit that mark. So what's the album going to be? Uh, it's just us being silly. Mostly yeah, sketch, gotta, sketches and songs. Sketches okay. and songs, yeah. yeah. Sketches and songs. Nothing too it's outrageous. A, it's, there's a blueprint of what you're going to do. There's a blueprint. Yes, okay. absolutely. When we, we, we've <laughs> Changes had every one, time we meet, but yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> we've had one meeting so far. We're meeting again this week to work on this really one. Bad no, no, we've meetings, had, we've had two meetings. And yeah. the, the first meeting we left with a, with a, with a lineup of what all the tracks were going to be and like had it all nailed down by the end of the second meeting we still had one of the tracks from the first meeting and everything else had changed <laughs> it's still in what? flux but that's the cool so thing so we don't have a timeline I take it uh, a couple a, a month-ish or so two months yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, cool. a couple months. Yeah, yeah. it's gonna I be sooner it. than later before the end of the year that, that that's the hope and um, we made a point not to do our scoop fest this year we've done three events mm-hmm. here in Vegas oh where I've been to two of them right bedlam man. they are <laughs> I mean they're just packed it's been great yeah. uh, we've been super excited and so we said 
let's take a break. And we wanted to do some away gigs. And we did. The earlier part of this year, we did three separate events in far-flung regions of the country. We call them uh, churnouts. We call them churnouts. Where were the regions? We had one in Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh. 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 Okay. We had an event at uh, South by Southwest. Okay. Austin. Mm-hmm. Which was really great in Austin. We had one in New Jersey. And one in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And so, so national. Yeah. We do, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the same, the people come from all over the place to, mm-hmm. uh, to be part of these little events. And, and so we made really that wonderful. a point this year to kind of go to a couple different weird places where people wouldn't have to travel as far and right. that kind of thing. We have a mini event coming up in we're, a couple we're, we're doing one here next year. We're, okay. we're building up for that. Yeah. And that was ca- also part of our plan was like, you know, save your, save your clams and uh, get ready for 2020. So. If it was annual, it would have been happening around this time. Right. Okay. Um, okay. And so we're, okay. we postponed it a year because we were kind of doing a live podcasting thing during the day, and that was kind of diminishing returns for both the podcast involved and the people coming to the show right. or whatever. We're kind of mm-hmm. like, and kind of what we've realized is that, we, you know, we're always trying to like grow our audience and be crazy. Uh, but the truth is, is that our, we have a niche little audience and they love each other and love us. And, and that's very different than a lot of podcasts. You don't want to so, get too big then, right? What is a niche little audience? You guys have a, a lot of uh, subscribers. I don't know if niche is the right word, but the, right. the audience, when they come to the festival, when they come to the podcast, they're not just interested in watching us do stuff. They also want to have time where they can just interact with each other because they, they, they mm-hmm. it is a community. They, they have formed a, a These community. are multi-day events. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. So we want to focus even more on that factor. We want it to be a fun mm-hmm. thing with stuff for them to we do. We are looking more towards the community side of it for our right. 2020 event. Uh, we, want, we want to have other guests and, and, and podcasts, but I, I f- we feel like we may have overloaded the schedule a little bit last time. A, yeah. little, a little too much sitting down listening to goofballs talk. <laughs> and we, we, can, we want some of that, but, you know. We want more activities. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. We, we don't want, want to be, just be a podcast want, festival. Yeah, we don't want to be a podcast festival. We want to turn it into a community outing. But we also might want to do a podcast festival down the road. Separate. Separate. From, yeah, yeah. Okay. that's a different thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to call it the Podcast Festival. Are you cool with that? <laughs> as long as I'm I mean, in that's, it. That's actually something we, <laughs> we, gonna, should, we should talk about. I have a spare logo. We, we have a logo that looks just like Napster. <laughs> that's something we actually should talk about with Johnny. Right on the nose of Napster. Because we want it to be sort of outside of our... This is, it's like when you have a party in your in your neighborhood. You just invite your neighbors to it. Just invite the Napster people to it. That's a good idea. That's yeah, a good yeah. idea. Just do it. You're not gonna you're yeah. not gonna sue us. You're no. part of. Yeah. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. I think I'm. Do you have anything for me? I think I'm good to to close out. No, uh, it's been it's great to spend time with you, well, regardless you of what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, and, we'll keep uh, you posted on the comedy album, Scoop Comedy Fest. album. We'll let you know. Scoop Fest. Scoop Fest is coming up next, and uh, and possible uh, podcast. Thing, yeah, yeah, in, in the in the later on, yeah, and in, support absinthe and Spiegel World. That's yeah, yeah. right, that's right. <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> they do. Uh, they do. They, they employ all of us. They employ all of us. We are all we are all current Spiegel World employees. That'd be my first question. If we ever, that's funny. Ross did a lot of a lot of Vegas podcasts with Atomic and didn't do ours, which I have. I want to talk to him about that. He didn't do this. No. no. Oh, you told me this the other night. Yeah, Jacob yeah. did. Yeah. And my first what question is... would be like, do you, do you even know name? How many people work for you? What's the number? Do you even know? <laughs> you can't. You can't possibly know. <laughs> I bet he doesn't. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Gaz does. <laughs> That's who you ask. Gaz yeah. The gazillionaire. Well, thank you for having us on. Thank you me. back, man. And to all the scoops who are who listen to this uh, com- uh the unedited feed. Uh yeah. hope you enjoyed this kind of uh or not kinda, this very, very different format than from, from what we usually do. Yeah. Home and home. Yeah. All right. Thanks, and uh, check out the podcasts. Podcasts oh. on the RJ, the way yeah. you are now, probably. Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, I've been listening to it. It's a really great show. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. If nothing else, listen to, to, listen to it for the theme song. Listen to Frankie's theme. All right. We'll see you soon. 
thanks to Matt, Paul, and Jacob of Matt and Mattingly's Ice Cream Social for joining me on this crossover episode of our podcast. You can find their show wherever you're listening to this, so be sure to check it out. That closes out another episode of Podcats. Thank you, Frankie Moreno, for our theme song. Keep up with me or try to on the Review Journal website or at Johnny Katz on Twitter, at Johnny Katz one on Instagram, and listen to the next installment of Podcats. Well, it's a jungle out there, baby, and I'm the biggest cat in town.